Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Award. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. We're doing it. It's we're, happening. We're going. Let's do this. I can't believe that this is our 40th episode. It's our 40th? What? <laughs> oh my god. We made it this far? What? Will we? Will we hit 50 by the time we hit our anniversary? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Let me look real quick. I was trying to I was trying to remember exactly when our anniversary was and I was just like I know it started sometime last year and Let's, that's all I all I know. Let's look at our uh, debut day. Debut day was November 14th, 2019. What? Oh so my goodness. Oh, we'll be close. <gasps> Uh, we'll be at 48. 48. Yeah. All right. I mean, we did miss a few weeks. <laughs> yes. Yes, we I have. I mean, not just from, That's like, okay. help things from us. Just forgetting. Not... To... <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, we have a we have a podcast? What? I, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, gosh. That would have been really oh. cool if we had yeah. made it to 50 by the time we hit a year. That's true. Okay, oh, too. Well. It's. More than nothing, I will take any progress this year that we can get. I mean, I still think that we've gotten further than I thought we would originally. That's true. I was like, here's three great episode ideas. And after that, we're done. I definitely thought we would have crashed and burned long before now. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Not anything like against you or against me or our talents. I just figured that we would have been like and eh, this is too much work i'm tired and called honestly it. yep just be like oh wait my computer it's not i can't i can't hear you um, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah there and i mean honestly ever since we started this podcast there have been more than enough hiccups that have come into our lives that could have <laughs> stopped us honestly okay. and uh, there have been enough good excuses to be like where we could have totally pu- pulled the plug. I mean, anything could have happened. And it's not like we've like super grown or anything to the point of like having hundreds of followers. <laughs> we have so, like 100. Yeah. <laughs> if that, I don't know. I still feel like we still have like a dedicated eight followers. And like, that's kind of where we like leveled off. Same. I mean, if there's more of you guys, then know that I love you and I appreciate you. But I don't know if there's more than eight. And I'm not even mad about that either. <laughs> no? No. Oh, no. Like, I, I'm i happy for those eight people. I am very happy that someone cares enough to listen or is interested enough in listening. Um, even if they're, like, listening to kind of, like, laugh at us or something because. There's a lot to laugh at. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Hey, you know what? We think we're funny. We're doing yes. what we like doing, and that's all that matters. So, Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> thank you for being a part of our journey into yes. 40 episodes of this podcast. Yes. For those who are still here, thank you. We love you, and we hope you're enjoying this as much as we are. The last couple weeks, we've done some kind of heavy topics. <laughs> it's been a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. 
But I, when we decided to do the topic we're doing today, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, thank goodness, because if I have to do research on another, like, mentally exhausting topic, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah, like, I mean, not just from the weight of this year, but the weight of some of the subjects that we have discussed in recent weeks and all the time and effort that does go into preparing these episodes and even just talking about them. It's a lot for us to take on sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice this week to, um, to lighten the load, so to speak, to a certain extent and just have a little bit more fun um, and remind us of how much we enjoy doing this podcast. Yeah. So this week, we are doing something really fun. It will definitely end up being a multi-part series mm-hmm. that we'll bring back in the future. I'm not even going to put a, like, one of four or, like, one of five. Oh, on no. It's open-ended. We're probably going to come back to it every time we get tired of talking about serious <laughs> things. Honestly, you'll know by this topic that we're just like, we need a break. Or we're going to have some fun. <laughs> this is the facts and fictions episode. Oh, my gosh. Yes. All right, so this week, we're going to be talking about famous Mormons, or famous members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we mean famous as in known by normal people outside of the church, not just like Uchtdorf. (laughs) And we mean like they're easily recognizable for their works, their talents, and what they've contributed to society. Mm -hmm. Um, We also mean people who are still members of the church, not like the... He was born a member, and then he couldn't actually, like, stick with it, and so he left the church and became a Hollywood star or something like that. We mean, like, currently Mm -hmm. they are members. Yeah, very basic parameters, um, and there is a lot of people, a lot more than I realize. Right? Um, Well, you know, because in society we get so focused on, um, on what they provide and all their their talents and their works. So then it's just like, it's it's a side fact then that they are a member of the church. And then, you know, down the road, it's just like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, that person did that. That person is a member, et cetera. And then I'm like, hey, what? Wait, what? Hey, exciting stuff. Yeah. So this week, we're only going to do three people because, I mean, it's us. We could talk forever about these three people. Honestly, yes. Plus, there's a lot of information about each of them, and we want to, like, give them as much credit as it's a little spotlight. Yeah. 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 And I mean, this is a really fun opportunity for me to learn a little bit more about people that I didn't know very well. And I think that it's good for everyone to do the same thing. It's also fun to have, like, little trivia facts so that when it the stuff gets brought up in conversation, you have something to talk about and to contribute. I want to get us started. Yeah, I'll start it because I love this person. Okay. Okay. So, actually, I love (laughs) most of the people that we've gotten here today. Whatever. Anyways. (laughs) Um, So, the first person we have on our episode is Gladys Knight. Woo! Yes. Beautiful. Gladys Knight is known as the Empress of Soul. She's an American singer, songwriter, actress, businesswoman, and author. She has won seven Grammy Awards and is most widely known for her time in her group, Gladys Knight and the Pips. I grew up listening to her, so I know a lot. Okay, honestly, I always remember her name, but I did not grow up listening to her and knew very little about any of her stuff. So, like, this is all very 
new to me. Well, let me tell you about so, her. She's amazing. Bring her on. Okay. Yes. So she recorded two number one Billboard Hot 100 singles. One is called The Midnight Train to Georgia, and the second one is That's What Friends Are For. Um, she's also recorded 11 number one R&B singles, six number one R&B albums, and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996 along with the Pips. I feel like we need to have like background music especially playing for her. Like, If I am tech savvy enough, I'll put in a little <laughs> sound bite of what she sounds like. She is ranked among one of the 100 greatest singers of all time, according to Rolling Stone magazine. Holy cow, that is super cool. I had no idea about like any of that. I did not realize until today that she's the one who sings Midnight Train to Georgia. Really? Yeah, (laughs) that's how clueless I am about this stuff, I swear. All right, so more recently, in February 2019, she appeared in the TV show The Masked Singer. (laughs) <laughs> as the bumblebee. I, oh okay, gosh. ridiculously, I would like to point out that I knew who she was immediately. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I love the show, The Masked Singer, so much. I like mm. to test my own knowledge of, like, who these people are behind the mask, because oh they don't reveal gosh. it until, like, a long way down the road. Uh-huh. Um, but literally, the second she got on stage and started singing, I was like, that's Gladys Knight. Immediately. <laughs> No one could what? tell me otherwise. And I was oh like, this is Gladys Knight. I know it's Gladys Knight. And then uh-huh. when it was revealed, everyone, like all of the panelists were like, yeah, it's Gladys Knight. Like it took <laughs> them so long to get there, but like they finally figured what? it out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well then was, was okay. So I, I know a little bit about the, the show, um, but did, did she sing something that usually would have been found in her repertoire, like soul music or jazz or R&B? Um, or was he singing like something very different? So they sing whatever they want to sing, essentially. Oh. So like the performer gets to choose what song they want to sing. So I think they have like huh. a list of songs that they are supposed to go through, and like up until they get eliminated, and then and then like that's it. It's the end of that. Oh, so they sing more than one song. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. See. Okay. I don't know that much about the show after all. Okay. <laughs> That is so interesting. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. Anyways, so now <laughs> let's give you a little backstory about Gladys Knight, um, about how she found the church, I should say, because she's a convert. Gladys was born and raised a Baptist, and when she had kids, she raised them to be Baptists. Well, in an article from LDS Living, Gladys explains how she found the gospel. She said, "My son Jimmy and his wife were the first to join the church after his best friend shared his testimony." Then my daughter, Kenya, joined the church. I watched their lives grow and to see how my grandchildren were being raised and what they knew really impressed me. After her daughter's invitation, Gladys began attending Relief Society. After a while, Kenya convinced her to talk to the missionaries. 
Gladys continued in the article by saying, when the missionaries came to my house, we had the most beautiful prayer. I loved the fact that when they came in, they did not try to sell me on the church. They just told me about the gospel. I feel so blessed because my son held the priesthood and was able to baptize me. It is such a precious thing to me. I was overjoyed. I feel like I'm in the right place and I am loving it. And she was baptized in 1997. Oh, that is so precious. Right? Her family brought her in. That's so cute. I know. I it love gets, that. It gets cuter. <laughs> yes. Okay. Bring it on. So after joining the church, she was asked to speak at the 2002 Women's Conference at BYU. Ooh. She wanted music to be a part of her program, so she decided to form a choir. She organized, auditioned, and led a choir of women, and that's how the Saints Unified Voices Choir was formed. I have not heard of them because I don't hear about a lot of things. I know. <laughs> um, did you, so did you know a lot about them before that? This? I had heard about them and I knew that she was a part of it, but I didn't know like their whole story. So let me explain that a little bit for you. They are a volunteer choir. They perform around the world with Gladys and they have released two albums. So they're kind of like, <gasps> they're kind of organized like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir in a way, like they audition they're all volunteer based they Uh tour they perform and they record albums um so their first album won a grammy for best gospel choir or chorus album right Uh oh my gosh that is so cool i need to check them out i'm doing that now Okay. okay and Gladys continues to perform solo and with her choir annually. Before she performs, she prays on stage with the audience. She Mm -hmm. says in that same LDS Living article, she says, I pray every time I go on stage, not to be famous, not to get a standing ovation, but for people to see my light and to know that I am a child of God. They may not know what moves them in that concert, but I would like to say it's a little bit of the spirit. I know this gift from God is a platform from which I am to share his gospel. I'm just using what the Lord gave me. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm striving to be what he wants me to be. Oh, that is so sweet. Right. She's adorable. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that's what I that's what I got for you for Gladys Knight. She sounds legit, and I want to hug her. <laughs> okay, so I am looking at, yeah, their first CD um, called One Voice include some church songs like Come Come Ye Saints, Love One Another, as well as others that I don't know about, but I'm going to check out because some of those sound absolutely amazing. Well, this is amazing. And then they have a Christmas celebration album. Oh my gosh, she just got extra cool in my eyes. That is amazing. So now y'all know something about Gladys Knight. Y'all can look her up and Mm -hmm. become fans, too. I love that. Um, And then I did. So the little bit that I tried to contribute to this week uh, was finding some other content um, regarding to what they've said and what they've shared in the past. And one of the things that I like that she said as well was that soul is just that inner spirit. I use that inner spirit for whatever it is I do. It seems very clear to me that she has a very close connection Um, with the Lord, with her faith, and has been able to really use her talents to share light in the world. And that's just super cool. Yeah. Go Gladys Knight. All right. Go ahead, girl. I'll go ahead with this one. Oh, gosh. I hope I say his last name right. Brett Helquist. That's it. 
Yes. Okay. Um, I already did really like his work, but I did not realize who he was uh, or that he was Mormon, which is super cool. So he is an American illustrator best known for his work in a series of unfortunate events. What? Yeah. You guys. Oh, my gosh. The books of my childhood. Honestly, like... (laughs) Those books were so freaking clever. Like, I was constantly trying, like, from, like, reading them to, like, look, reading the words to looking at the pictures. And it was such a battle, like, on every page, every time. Mm -hmm. Because I just loved it so much. Okay, so, Helquist was born in Granada. Nope. Granada. Ganado. I don't know. Ganado. Arizona. (laughs) Arizona. You know, someone is more than welcome to write in and let me know how to properly pronounce it. Because... I know I butchered that. <laughs> so while he was born in Arizona, he did grow up in Orem, Utah. Definitely sounds Mormon, and it even gets more Mormony. He has six sisters. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been fun. Oh gosh. Right. Big family, seven siblings. Yeah. All right, nice. Okay, so what's more, uh, during his lifetime thus far, he served a mission in Hong Kong and then went to BYU. Super legit. Hong Kong is amazing. Um, BYU, good for him. So he entered there as an engineering student, but then he took a year off during his studies to work as a textbook illustrator in Taiwan. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone could do that, but if I could draw, I would do that in a heartbeat. Right. So he did that, and then this encouraged and enabled him to be able to switch majors to to illustration and to visual arts. And he got his bachelor's degree in that in 1993. So. Right on. Awesome for him. So then what he did afterward, after graduating, he moved to New York City because that's where you go when you want to succeed in the arts. Yeah. So (laughs) he moved to New York where he interned for illustrator Robert Newbecker. I don't know who that is. He is an author illustrator of children's books also it looks like the 1980s and 90s he was a teacher of illustration and design at byu and at the university okay. of utah mm-hmm. so maybe More they like connections so maybe they found each other there and then sounds like it he started doing like exhibitions and art galleries in new york city he was authoring and illustrating children's books in like the early 90s so i think that's probably what brett helquist was interning for was helping him churn out books okay he must be really smart so um as well as back to brett helquist he worked odd jobs in between as a graphic designer magazine and newspaper illustrator so basically he was doing everything that he could to uh grow his skills and keep them up and really apply them so then there is, um, of course, something that Deseret likes to do once in a while, which is highlights. Um, Deseret Online highlighted um, Brett Halquist in regards to an exhibit that he put together um, at BYU. So they had an unfortunate exhibit. <laughs> an unfortunate exhibit that was put together. And so Deseret wrote about it. So where he was presenting all of his heart art for there at BYU once, you know, the books were written and everything. Um, and so pulled from there are a few cool quotes from him. 
And he said, I started working for Cricket Magazine, and I remembered how much I preferred doing the narrative illustration and storytelling rather than the conceptual ideas that editorial work required. I took a little time off my job and started working on a children's book portfolio. I started showing that around. After two or three weeks, I got a call from an agent I was sort of starting to work with. And then he went on to explain that he was hesitant to work with an agent at first, um, which I don't blame him. Like the idea of agents are very intimidating in any situation. Um, but luckily, the agent was able to convince him to let her work for him. So not long after, she contacted him with a multi-book deal with HarperCollins. That sounds amazing. Multi-book deal and with HarperCollins. Come on. Um, so the first book was The Bad Beginning from a new series called Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events by Daniel Handler. Yes! So he said that I read it, thought it was funny, and probably would have said yes to anything at that point because it was a book and I wanted it so badly. It was an enjoyable read. It had picture potential in it, and I thought, well, this will be a good one. And that's how the whole book career started. A really good <laughs> beginning. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm really glad that turned out better than the book for him. Um, yeah, but cool. <laughs> right. But honestly, like, and I, I think that's super funny. Like the first published children's book he illustrated was for The Bad Beginning, and that's the first book in the series Unfortunate Events, um, which was published in 1999. Unfortunately, um, though, he, yeah, it was a good beginning though for him. So from there, his career blossomed and allowed him to illustrate over 50 children's and young adult books which is super impressive um and i know especially you tracy will love this that he was also responsible for the illustrations in the recent reprint of scary stories to tell in the dark a series in 2011 by alvin schwartz amazing so good have you have you read those re have you read that recently yeah i actually looked at the new illustrations and they're just as haunting as the <laughs> old one so yeah yeah Ooh. i brought up brett helquist's recent art from the reprinting of scary stories to tell in the dark and i mean i like them and i prefer them to the older ones which were a lot scarier than yeah they were necessary i thought <laughs> <laughs> yeah the original ones left nightmares for honestly sure. yeah. for real but like his are just they, I feel like they present more of a story. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. I've never been good at explaining art. Um, but they feel more complete. They, they just explain the story better, um, which I think is very necessary when you are putting together art in a book. Like They're supposed to be helping the story along, whereas the other ones didn't really feel like it. But anyway, so that's super cool. So far, so cool. Um, so back to the article that I had been reading um, from Deseret. So just to put that into more of uh, into more context. So in 2017, you had an illustrator exhibition experience in BYU, and that was put up for two months. It was mainly illustrations from a series of unfortunate events, but within it, he showed each step of his illustration process, um, which is always so amazing to watch. And so that whole process included rough pencil drafting, color drafts, and then the final product on the books. Um, super cool, super cool. So currently he continues illustrating children's books and has a website where you can check out his current projects, portfolio, and blog. And, and, and he has an <laughs> Etsy site that sells illustrations. Yeah. What? 
So all of this you can find on his personal website. It's brethelquist.com. And then, like, you just scroll through and you can see illustrations from most of the children's books that he's been a part of. And there's a section that has the blog. And then above that has the Etsy site, the Etsy store. So you can check out the prints that he sells. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Mm -hmm. I want all of his art right now. It's great. So that is Brett Helquist. Go check him out. See his art. Love it. Enjoy yourself. And share the good word. Share his art. Yeah. Because that's freaking amazing. Yeah. All right. So now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to laugh through about 90% of this. I'm Okay. I felt like we needed to include her because, I mean, it equally makes sense but doesn't make sense. <laughs> like Pretty it makes much. sense because she is a famous member of the church and she's been very successful. But at the same time, I was like, who wants to talk about this lady? I did a lot of research on her. And even though I was laughing really hard during most of my research, she is very impressive. So I got to give her some credit. And if any of you are big fans of her, I apologize if you think I'm making fun of her. <laughs> I really do. I just can't help it. It's so it's- it just happens, but at the same time, we're also impressed, and she's done a lot, so why not? We need to give her a little bit of love. Yeah. So. All right, so our third person is Stephanie Meyer. All right, so Stephanie Meyer, an American novelist best known for her vampire romance series, Twilight, which has sold over 100 million copies with translations into 37 different Holy languages. Oh, 37. Right? I didn't know, I don't know that. I don't know if I can name 37 languages, although that really only just reflects on me and my poor education. <laughs> but still, that is impressive. Right. All right. So... She was the best-selling author of 2008 and 2009 in the U.S., having sold over 29 million books in 2008 and 26.5 million books in 2009, right? She received the 2009 Children's Book of the Year Award from the British Book Awards for her Twilight series finale, Breaking Dawn, which, fascinatingly enough, Mm -hmm. J.K. Rowling was also nominated for this award in 2009. Really? Right? Interesting. I did not know that. She beat J.K. Rowling in J.K. Rowling's turf. Like, that's unbelievable. Cow. Like, yeah, I can, I can imagine so many people being angry at that. Like, right? I mean, usually I would have been angry, but at this point in life, I don't care about anything. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a little background on Stephanie. She was born in Hartford, Connecticut, but grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. She got her Bachelor of Arts degree in English at BYU in 1997. She was married in 1994 to her husband, Christian, and has three sons. She said that once she had her first child, Gabe, she just wanted to be a mom and wanted to give up on being a writer or any other career path. But her husband encouraged her to keep writing and to keep working. Supportive family then. Yeah. Very nice. Okay. So now let's talk about Twilight because that's pretty much what we're here for at this point. Mm -hmm. And we're all dying to know more about (laughs) Twilight because we have not learned enough in the last 10 20 years. 
However long it's been. According to Stephanie Meyer, she had a dream one night about a human girl and a vampire who was in love with her but thirsted for her blood. Based on this dream, she wrote the first draft of what would become Chapter 13 of the first Twilight book. She wrote from Chapter 13 to the end of the novel and then backfilled the first 12 chapters in secret without an ideal audience in mind or without the intention to publish the novel. Okay. Okay. I like it. We haven't talked about writing, but we both do a lot of writing on our own Mm -hmm. and like creative writing. And sometimes it's just more fun to write the exciting bits and then fill it in later. Yeah, true. So after three months, her sister convinced her to send it to literary agents to get it published. She sent out 15 letters to agents. Five of them went unanswered. Nine were rejections. And one was a positive response from Jody Reamer at Writer's House. Jody Reamer set her manuscript up for an auction in 2003 to get the publishing rights. Eight publishers competed for the rights what? to that manuscript, which is <sighs> insane. The company Little Brown and Company won the rights and gave her a 750,000 three book deal. Oh my gosh. Insane. What? Amazing. I want that. All right. So oh Twilight first book was published in 2005 with a 75,000 copy planned. Within a month, it hit number five on the New York Times bestseller list and went on to become number one. Mm -hmm. And then in 2008, this is kind of like where I, my mind exploded, um, just to see the growth in three years. So within three years, in 2008, the release of Breaking Dawn was planned to print 3.7 3.7 million copies. Oh my goodness. So she went from 75,000 copies yeah. in one run planned to 3.7 million copies mm-hmm. with 1.3 million sold on release day. Amazing. That's crazy. 1.3 million. Holy books. cow. Okay, so now this is the thing that blew my mind because I didn't know anything about the movie process or like, I mean, I knew like little bits of information, but not like. Mm-hmm. The big stuff. So we're going to move into the movies okay. a little bit. Bring it. Um, so Paramount Pictures optioned making the book into a film in 2004 before the book was even published. Wait, what? Because yeah, the book had not even been published yet, but they already pitched to make the film in the book into a film. Nuh-uh. And they did this because they could tell that it was going to be like it was going to blow up. Basically, oh the picture studio. And they wanted what? to be able to maximize and capture those profits once, like, yeah. the fourth book had been released. Yeah. So, the film, it took three years for them to settle on a script for the film because the original script that they had, like, pitched to her deviated too much from the book mm. and she didn't like it. So, they continued to make edits for three years on the script. Oh, my gosh. And then they finally decided on one. And the film was released in theaters in November 2008. And that mm-hmm. was three months after the final book, Breaking Dawn, was released to the public. Holy cow. I had no idea that was a process. Like, I legitimately thought that when Twilight was first published, that it was like this low-key book and mm-hmm. like was a little itty-bitty thing. And then it exploded. But no, it was it was all a trick. It was it was all meant to explode. It was all meant to do all that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right? So like even though I laugh and I make fun of her a lot, 
I'm sorry, I do. I hate Twilight. I hate the books. I hate the movies. Like, I just love to hate on them. But I'm also, like, very impressed by how smart of a businesswoman Stephanie Meyer became Mm -hmm. just from releasing the first book and then going from there. Because after the first film was released, she had more of an active say in the movie making process. She ended up producing the last two films, which oh Breaking Dawn parts one and two. And then oh. on top of that, she started her own production company. Wait, really? Yes. She started her own production company, which no. is I think called like Fisher Farm Films or something like that. Something with a fish in it. Oh, um, okay. But <laughs> this production company was what produced the film Austin Land, if you've heard of it. Yes. Yes. So she read the book. She was a huge advocate for it because she could, like, identify with the author in the sense that, like, this book came to her in a dream and, like, Stephanie Meyer was obsessed with Jane Austen growing up and she was yeah. like, oh my gosh, all my favorite <laughs> characters kind of combined into one story and mm-hmm. she pitched the idea of turning it into a film to the author of Austin Land and they made the movie together with her production studio. Oh my goodness. What? (laughs) Well, I, okay. So here's the thing. I know how you like to bash on it and I know how I like to bash on it and I know how like the media likes to kind of bash on Stephanie Meyer. Like I get it. It's kind it's funny. Um, we don't mean it. We don't really mean it to be mean hearted or anything. We're just like, okay, this is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means, unfortunately, that we undercut her, her value, her worth and her ability to succeed because yeah. that is incredible. Um, it's a little bit funny, though, that she was like, okay, I want to be a mom. I don't want to work. Yada, da, da, da. And then now she's like, well, actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write these books. I'm going to help produce these movies. And I might as well just start my own production company. Let's make <laughs> these things come to life. And then she basically took over the world. Basically. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. That's amazing. All right. So. I want you to hear these figures and I want everyone to hear these figures because again, like you were saying, we like to talk crap on these movies and everything, but homegirl has it made in the shade at this point. Yeah. Um, So the five twilight saga films were budgeted at $373 million. They grossed $3.341 billion worldwide. I'm sorry, what? Okay, this is another figure that I found on my own. It's not on our notes, but Stephanie Meyer grosses $50 million a year. Oh, my gosh. Right? (laughs) Well, I bet she's glad that she she went to to publish that book. I bet she is. Oh, and I bet her, what, three sons are, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Her husband is probably Yeah, he's like, oh, all right, I don't need to work anymore either. All right, this right. is perfect. Let Amazing. us have some fun. That is, wow. Crazy. That is legitimately incredible. Good for Stephanie Meyer. Good for you. Yeah. Like, that's so impressive. Dang. <laughs> crazy. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to finish. All right, yes, please do. <laughs> story of Stephanie Meyer. Bring it um, on. 
So after Twilight, after the books and the film success, she has continued to write, produce, and create stories. She's also written a few short stories um, that have been published and put into like a little collection of short stories. Okay, yeah. Do I know what they're called? No. Have I looked them up? No, I have not. Um, But she's also written The Host, The Chemist, and more recently, Midnight Sun, which we all know every Twilight fan was waiting desperately for. It is the story of Twilight told from Edward's perspective. So, (laughs) will I read it? Absolutely not. But do I give this girl credit for luring the Twilight fans back into the world? Honestly. Absolutely, I do. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, okay, so again. Well, fire again. Okay, okay, although, okay, wait, okay, though. I did read The Host, and I saw the movie, and I enjoyed those. We're, okay. Like, I, I don't, like, super care for her writing style, but the storyline and the characters weren't super strong, in my personal opinion, but the story itself was enticing and interesting. So I actually, and like I kind of I enjoyed reading them, just like not n- not as anything serious. But I was like, okay, like I could read this again, like someday if I got bored enough and wanted to read something for fun. Okay. Even though I have not read these books or seen these movies, I do know that the Fifty Shades of Grey oh. series are basically a fan fiction of Twilight. Yes. Yes. So. They are. So without Twilight, the Fifty Shades franchise would not exist. I have nothing to say. <laughs> nothing to say on that. <laughs> but again, like I haven't read the books. I don't intend to. Haven't seen no. the movies. Don't intend to. But I mean, like you kind of have to give Stephanie Meyer a little credit there. Like she spawned another worldwide success, essentially through fan fiction. That is very true. Mm-hmm. Which. Which, yeah, is, it's a, like a different form of street cred. Yeah. Almost to be able to like entice people to be like, well, I pulled this idea from there and now you want this one too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's clever. It's man. Yeah. So even though I love to make fun of the Twilight <laughs> franchise and I will continue to do it until I die, I will never stop. <laughs> I won't. You can't tell me not to. I, I would never. <laughs> Good, because I have great stories and entertaining <laughs> things that come out of my feet oh my life. So, <laughs> even though I love to make fun of it, I do have a lot of respect for Stephanie Meyer because she turned her, like, a literal dream, a dream, yes, <laughs> a literal dream into <laughs> the most profitable and internationally consumed product ever and continues to make money off of it and then started a production mm-hmm. company. So, mm-hmm. like... Go girl. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Okay, though. I Okay, I did find one thing, though, while I was looking for some quotes from her. So I don't know, like, how much... I don't know if you found any of the same things, but in a lot of the quotes I found of her speaking and everything was that since she's written vampire stories, she can't read other vampire stories, nor can she, like, watch vampire movies Mm -hmm. because she's just like, well, they're too... They're either too much, too similar or too different from mine. So I can't do it. And I like I could never watch Interview with a Vampire because I don't watch rated R movies. And <laughs> <laughs> there were just like a few quotes that are just making me laugh. Like I yeah. just thought it was super funny. 
um, that she's she spawned this whole thing and she's just like well this is what i have i have to limit myself to the own world the world that i created mm-hmm. um because there's just so much to it yeah um and she can't take on any, any other thing like it which i just yeah. found really funny i mean nothing by it in any way um i just found it funny i almost <laughs> forgot about this important little fact that mm-hmm. i feel like everyone needs to know about I just remembered this. Okay, so in September 2018, my sister and I went on a trip to Washington State. And while we were on this trip, our friend took us to Forks. No, no, you didn't. (laughs) And we went to we went to the beach at La Push. Oh, it's a real beach. It's beautiful. Oh, and okay, this is the best part. This is the best part because it made me laugh so hard. Oh, my gosh. When you're leaving the beach from La Push and you're trying to go back towards um, Port Angeles and Seattle, um, there's a fork in the road. And in that (laughs) fork, there is a general store that has a huge twilight sign outside with me with I'm not kidding. It's a it's a massive sign, okay? It's like okay. easily twelve feet long and it's like six or seven feet tall. Oh and God. on one side is a wooden painted cutout of Edward. <laughs> no. And on the other side is a wooden painted cutout of Jacob. Oh my god. And they encourage people <laughs> to sign their name on the side of the board oh my <laughs> with god. the team that they identify with. <laughs> <laughs> If I can find my pictures from it, oh because I could not God. stop laughing so hard the entire time I was there. If I can find the pictures, oh I will put them on the Instagram post. I yes, promise I will do that. Please. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my and God. then I found out when I came home that the house that they use for Bella's house is an Airbnb. So, hey. y'all, if y'all want to go to Forks, and stay in Bella's house. <laughs> Live your best life. Do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Right. That is dang. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> okay, I did find one quote from her that I do enjoy and res- and respect, especially compared with everything else that she's done. So Stephanie Meyer said that it's sad when you can't make everyone happy. Though it's impossible, but at the same time you still hope. You think maybe I can do it, but you know you can't. But gosh, if I had to rely on giving people what they wanted, I would have had to write 40 billion different books, and even then, I wouldn't get it right. Uh, so, to me, I just really like that little that little thing because she knows not everyone takes her work seriously. She mm-hmm. knows that there are people like us who love to bash on it a little bit yep. and make fun of everything. Um, but she's she's okay with that, and she's like, that's okay. Like, I like I can't get it right for everyone, and that like. That's okay. I am dealing with it because she is dealing with it because she has her own production company and makes fifty million dollars a year. Yeah. So she can she can sand um, a few of us. <laughs> Listen, I'm still not convinced that Twilight isn't about being in a singles ward, and no one oh can convince God. me otherwise. She she wrote what she knew. Besides the whole vampire thing, she just added that sparkle. Um, for like an extra touch. Um, but yes. Because I mean, think about it. 
there's always one girl in a singles ward that like two really hot dudes are always fighting over and no one really understands why. Mm-hmm. Just I like, mean, why, why them, why her, why, why is this drama necessary? Yeah. So like, you can't convince me that it's not about being in a singles ward. You can't. Well, that you I cannot convince me that. <laughs> well, that <laughs> when you first, when I went, yeah, when you said that, I, I first immediately thought of all the staring that goes on in a singles ward because those movies, like that's that's all they are. That's the all they are. The <laughs> the stairs. <laughs> that's that's all a singles ward is. It's all like, I'm thinking very, about is the biology yeah. classroom scene where Edward oh is God. like trying not to like eat Bella <laughs> because of the way she smells. Yeah. <laughs> it's a singles ward. Anyways, so that is that's Stephanie Meyer, guys. Oh my gosh. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> so, there you go, guys. We gave you three <laughs> famous members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hey. I only laughed through about 75% of the Stephanie Meyer thing, which is better than I thought I would do. Yeah, that's really impressive. Good for yeah, you, Tracy. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Give myself a pat on the back. Do it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All oh. right. Well, we hope you guys had some fun tuning in, and hopefully you learned a thing or two. Um, it's just a good reminder that we're all capable of wonderful things, and there are plenty of us members out there doing awesome things. And sharing your light doesn't always necessarily need to be about doing the super scripture-oriented thing, and it's about your calling, um, but it's about being able to use your talents and sharing them with the world um, yeah. like people have done. And hopefully we'll be able to share more about other famous Mormons and members down the line. If you have any suggestions on famous members of the church that you would like us to talk about in the future, please mm-hmm. let us know through Instagram, Facebook, our email. You could even tweet us. We have a Twitter. Yes, we so do. you can check us out any way that you want. Communicate with us. We'll answer you. Oh, please. All eight of you that listen faithfully, yes. we will respond to all eight of you. We will. No more than eight. That's <laughs> it. Eight is our cutoff number. Yeah, that's it. It's the age of accountability, and it's where our accountability stops. <laughs> so <laughs> after eight, nothing's guaranteed, and we just we can't. We I can't. feel like that needs to go on a shirt. It's the accountability and where our stops. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening this week, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.